0: Well, 2020 is over, hallelujah, and 2021 is here. And I think back over this past year, it was filled with an awful lot of difficulties. There's so many people who were filled with fear and worries of all kinds anxieties. I mean, look at what we faced. Who in the world would have ever thought we'd have faced a pandemic like this thing? And what it meant, uncertainties, all the things that came along with that are that our country would be shut down. Or a period of time. I mean, think about that. And then you begin to look here. Our children are having to be educated virtually. People have lost jobs. Many people have been sick, including a lot of us right here in our own church. And there are people who have lost loved ones. I mean, it's been a difficult year. And yet a new year has come. But let's be honest about this new year. It, too, is filled with a lot of uncertainties. We don't know where this pandemic is going. We don't know what the economy is going to do. We've had major change in the power structure of our country. So we're facing a year with a lot of uncertainties. We don't really know what to expect. But as I was thinking about this, it seems to me that the key is to gain God's perspective as we go into it. When we get God's perspective, we see things as they really are, because we know that God is on his throne. He is working his purposes, his plan out. We can trust in his sovereignty, and therefore we can enter this new year with hope. And that's really one of the key things we're looking at this morning is that theme of hope. Richard and I were talking a couple of weeks back, several weeks back. And he was talking about the new series that he was going to start today. And I'm sorry he can't be here to do this because one of the things he wanted to do is our pastor going into this new year. He knew that our congregation really needs to be encouraged. We need hope. And so he chose first Peter as the book to go to because in the very opening chapters in the very opening paragraph of this book, it talks about the living hope. It's a book about encouragement. It's about hope, even in the midst of difficulties and uncertainties. It's about an enduring hope, a living hope that every one of us can have. It just so happened last week that I was reading through Marianne and I've used this now for the last couple of years as Paul David Tripp's devotional book, New Morning Mercies. And just one of the last devotions that he did happened to be on hope. I'm working on this sermon. And so I came across this. I want to read you What he wrote in this devotional. Every human being is hardwired for and concerned about hope. We're all a bit discouraged and paralyzed when our hopes are dashed. When one hope dies, we grab hold of another hope as fast as we can. The Bible is a hope story. It is about hope misplaced and hope found. It's about hope that cannot deliver and hope that gives you everything that you need. It's about where not to look for hope and the only place where true hope can be found. And today in our passage, we find that place where true hope can be found. And it's found in our relationship with Jesus Christ It's based upon his the surety of his resurrection. And therefore, because he has conquered all things, we can be a people of hope Just a quick word about the background to 1 Peter. It was written to those early Christians who were undergoing severe times of persecution. It was a terrible time. Many of them had lost loved ones. They had been killed by the Romans. Terrible persecution. And, in fact, many of them had been scattered. When you read the opening words... In Peter's salutation here, he speaks of those who are scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. They've been scattered all over the place because of this terrible persecution. These were people who were undergoing severe trial, suffering. When Peter talked about fiery trials, they understood what those were. When he talks about Satan being like a roaring lion, they understood that. They had heard the sound of the lions in the Colosseum. And the screams of their loved ones who faced them. I mean, that was the environment this book was written. Severe times of trouble. Severe times of trial. Severe persecution. And in the midst of that, Peter comes with this message. It's a message about hope. And basically, here's the point. We can have hope even during periods of uncertainties, difficulties, and sufferings. It all has to do with our perspective. And how we see things we can either get so lost in all of the negative circumstances of life that we become discouraged and even driven to the point of despair. Or we can lift our eyes up and we can see the one who is in charge to know that he is going to take us through whatever it is that we have to face. And so what Peter wants to do in this very opening paragraph He wants to give us this encouragement. He wants to talk about all of these blessings that are ours in Christ. And basically, he's going to talk about four things here. First of all, he's going to talk about hope that he calls a living hope that we have been born into. And then secondly, we're going to go into the future. He's going to give us a view from eternity. And he's going to talk about what we have yet to come, which is this inheritance That is reserved in heaven for us. And nothing can stop us from getting it. Then he's going to bring us back down to earth again. And he's going to say, yes, we've got that inheritance. Never lose sight. Always live with the end in mind. Remember, God has something glorious for us in the future. But now, even if we have to face trials, we can rejoice in them. Because God has purposes for them. God is at work even through the trials. And we can rejoice over our trials And then he ends up by bringing us into the Lord's presence and reminding us that we can experience inexpressible and glorious joy, because right now we are receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. So that's the way we're going to look at this passage this morning. Listen, this is powerful and positive and is filled with hope, inexpressible joy. And I pray this morning that it's going to bring encouragement to us and bring hope to us as we move into this new year. First Peter chapter one, we're going to read the first nine verses. This is God's word. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. For you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? And this morning, Lord, as we open the scriptures, we thank you that you are the God of hope. And we confess we've been through some difficulties this past year, disappointments. And yet, God, we know that you've never let us down, nor will you ever do that. And so encourage us this day and open our hearts as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Immediately after the salutation, Peter writes these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. There it is. He's giving us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What he's talking about in this opening paragraph, all the incredible blessings of salvation. Now, remember, he's writing to people who are in trouble, writing to people who are in pain, writing to people who are fearful, who've been scattered. They've had to leave families. They've lost jobs. They've been persecuted. And he's writing to them and he says, praise be to God. Look at what he's done. It is great mercy. He has given us new birth. Now, what is he talking about there? Well, the Apostle Paul helps us with that, because in writing to the Ephesians in the second chapter, he's talking about this new birth. And this is what he writes. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, here it is, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions. That is the new birth he's talking about. You see, there was a point in our lives when we were dead spiritually, And yet God comes in his power and he gives us life. He gives us spiritual life. And Peter's focusing on that new birth. And that new birth is the result of the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's when we were born again, when we were made alive. In fact, that's what Jesus Told Nicodemus when he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. That's the new birth. And do you realize all of us here who are believers in Jesus Christ, God has done this remarkable work in us. And he has given us this new life that brings about a new perspective. But then notice what it goes on to say. God has given us a new birth into something. And what is it? Into a living hope. Now, it's living hope because it's about hope for life. Certainly, he's talking about eternal life. We have eternal life promised to us. But I'll tell you, Jesus also made an amazing statement. He said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And what he meant by that was the life now on this earth. It's not just about what is yet to come, but we can absolutely have life in its fullness now. And the way we have life in its fullness now means we can come to that point of deep satisfaction, contentment and fulfillment. Now, even though all around us, there may be difficulties and uncertainties. And yet at the same time, we can still find fullness and abundance in life. And you know why? Here's the key. Because we have Jesus Christ living in us. I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but who lives in me. But it's Christ who lives in me. You know, here's what I forget often. I forget that. Whenever I get down, whenever I get overwhelmed, whenever I get discouraged, it's because I forget who lives in me. The very one who is the creator of all things, the one who has loved me with an infinite love the one who gave everything up for me, lives in me. And I'm able to live my life by his life now. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about this living hope, an unshakable hope now because we have Jesus. And he goes on to define it. He says this is unshakable because it is grounded. It is founded in the resurrection of Jesus. Just as sure as Jesus was raised from the dead, We have that unshakable hope and it's a living hope because we have Christ living in us. And by the way, this hope, biblical hope doesn't mean I hope so. In fact, biblical hope says something else. Here's the definition from Hebrews. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Let me tell you, as we go into this new year with all the uncertainties, one thing we can have is we can have security in this hope. And the basis of that is because we have Jesus living in us. That is the living hope that we have. Now, that's what we have now. But then Peter, remember, he's addressing people who are going through difficulties, So he's saying right now, listen, don't get overly discouraged. Don't be overwhelmed because we have a living hope that's based on the resurrection of Jesus. But let me tell you what's to come. So he points us to the future. He gets us looking upward. He gets us thinking about eternity. And he starts pointing us to this incredible inheritance that is ours to come. And this is what he says about it. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. Not only has he given us a new birth into a living hope now, but he is giving us a new birth into an inheritance that is yet to come. And that inheritance is different from any kind of earthly inheritance you've ever heard of, because this inheritance, we're told, cannot perish, cannot be spoiled, cannot fade away because it's kept in heaven for you. And one day we're going to get that inheritance. Do you see what he's doing? He's taking these people who are living in fear, people who are living in in times of great trial, and he's getting to to look up. He's getting to look where they're heading, what their destiny is. And he says, you have this inheritance that is yet to come. What is the inheritance? I'll tell you what it is. It is God himself. We get God in all of his fullness, in all of his glory. The day is going to come when we see God's glory, the very thing Moses begged God for. And God said, oh, Moses, you couldn't handle it. And remember, you hit him in the cleft of a rock. We're going to see that glory one day or what David wanted to see to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. We're going to see Christ's beauty. We're going to become joint heirs with Jesus. All of the riches of glory will become ours. That's the inheritance. New heaven and new earth where there is no more mourning, crying or pain. No more death. No more goodbyes. Restored relationships with those who've gone before us and spending eternity and the glorious presence of Jesus. That's our future. And so when we get discouraged here. Remember where we're headed. That's our destiny. And listen. The good news is that nothing can keep these things from happening to us. Because, Peter writes it, we have been shielded by God's power. And by the way, we already have a down payment. And you know what that down payment is? It's the Holy Spirit. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Look at this verse. Who is a deposit. Look at the next word. Guaranteeing. Guaranteeing our inheritance. That's our great future. And that's our great hope. So we can look forward to receiving this glorious inheritance. And that's our future. But now he brings us back down to earth. But what about now? What about now? We're still going through trials. And there's an awful lot of pain still here. And there are the uncertainties of life. Can you imagine these people in the first century? Undergoing this kind of severe persecution. Ripped apart from families. You know, Nero was a terrible person. He did horrible things to Christians. And they were living in that context. And what Peter's doing is giving them a framework. We had this living hope. We've been born again into this living hope. It's an unshakable hope. And don't forget what our future is. We have this glorious future. We have this inheritance that's yet to come. But now we may have to face trials. That's what he says. In fact, he puts it this way. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter tells us two things about trials here. He tells us, first of all, that they're temporary There's light at the end of the tunnel. The Apostle Paul put it like this. He said, all the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. You see, there is a limit to these trials. There's a limit to the suffering that takes place on this earth. They're temporary. But we're also told that they have a purpose. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. Trials may become necessary to prove the genuineness of our faith. When I look back over my years of as a Christian... I can look back in some of the most difficult times of my life when I faced the greatest trials of my life were the times that I was driven to God more never before. It was during those times that he was refining me. And during those times he was showing me how dependent I have to be upon him. You see, trials serve that purpose. And just like gold and silver are tried in fire because they're so valuable, the result is That those, after the refining fire, they come out pure and free from all kind of dross. And so it is with trials. Trials, the testing of our faith, purifies and strengthens. You see, trials have a purpose. Interesting that Paul also addressed this subject, and he says something very similar to Peter. And by the way, let me just tell you something about this. Only a Christian can say these kinds of things. He says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. See, he's saying the same thing Peter did. We can rejoice in our sufferings. We can rejoice when we have times of trials because we know God has a purpose in them. And look at what he says here. Look at what, what Paul says. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces what? Hope, and then he goes on with these wonderful words, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So do you see it? Remember what I started out with. It's all in perspective. When we begin to see things from God's perspective, we see things as they really are. And trials will come. They will come. But they're temporary and they have a purpose. God is using those trials and we can look at those trials and say we can rejoice because this is the work of God. That, in fact, the very opening uh, salutation there speaks of the sanctifying work, the sanctifying work of the spirit. That's what's happening through even this issue of, of, of trials. Well, one last thing I want to show you, versus the last couple of verses we're going to look at, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and are filled. Look at this. And are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation Of your souls. Until Jesus comes back again, we see him through the eyes of faith. But the day is going to come when we'll see him face to face. And as Peter's writing these people, he says, You may not see him face to face right now, but you love him. How could we not love him when we consider all of the things that he has done for us? How could we not? We love him because he first loved us. I was thinking about this as I was working on this sermon. And here it is toward the first of the year. And I don't know why this came to my mind, but I was reading this and it says, even though you don't see him, you love him. And Peter came to my mind again. It was after the resurrection. After he had denied Christ. And Jesus had a one-on-one talk with him. And he asked him this question three times. Do you remember what it was? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, let me ask you this morning. Do you love Jesus? Do you realize how powerful a motivation love is? It's the love of Christ that controls us, constrains us. And as we begin this new year, look, I know you're here this morning and many of you are watching. But we can become so casual that we forget the most basic thing of all. Do we love Jesus even though we don't see him? And then he goes on to say something else. He says, and even though you don't see him, you believe in him. Even though you don't see him, you believe in him. And are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Look at that. What is the key to finding that joy? What is the key to finding that inexpressible joy that he speaks of here? I'll tell you what it is. It's your faith in Christ. It's loving Jesus and believing him. Do you love him? Do you believe in him? And when that happens, it leads us. Into this place where not only do we have unshakable hope, but we have this inexpressible joy that we belong to him. I started this out by saying, it all depends on your perspective. And my prayer this morning is that you get God's perspective. You know, as we go into this new year, let me remind you what Peter's saying about perspective this morning. He's saying, first of all, don't ever forget that God has given you a new birth into a living hope, an unshakable hope, that hope that is firm and secure. This the anchor of your soul, whatever you have to face this year, don't lose that hope. Don't be so overcome by the circumstances of life that you lose hope. But then remember your future. God has given us a new birth into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's reserved in heaven for us. And we're shielded by the power of God until we get it. That's what we've got yet coming. And expect that there will be trials this year. But we don't have to be fearful of them. We can rejoice when we face them because we know that they have a purpose. Purifying and strengthening our faith. Producing perseverance and and character and hope. And then we can find this inexpressible and glorious joy because we know that our Savior is with us. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Here's our problem. We forget That Jesus is with us. But we forget. We forget that he's with us. That he lives in us. And as a result of that we often don't have this kind of joy that Peter writes about here. Do you see it? Unshakable hope. A glorious future. The ability to see trials as God's work in our lives. And coming to that place where we can experience his presence. And we can be filled with joy no matter what circumstances we face. Remember there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. Joy is that deep inward quality. That the Holy Spirit produces in your life. That you draw from Jesus who is our joy. Well, he reminds us as he closes. Oh, why do we have this inexpressible joy? Because you are now receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We're receiving it right now. So we have every reason as we go into this new year to be hopeful. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection. Of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's pray here. This morning, Lord, we give you thanks for these words of encouragement to us. And I can't help but think of the people who read this in Peter's day. And how it must have been encouraging to them. And I pray that today, God, in this time of uncertainties, that we also find your perspective. We see things from your perspective. And remember all of these glorious blessings that are ours. And when that happens, it creates joy in us. And we are able, as we come to the end of this service today, we're able to sing from our hearts, Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. We give you thanks. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.